0: lifetime the official athletic country club of the minnesota vikings has something for every member of your family get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kits
1: i had a friend call me and nice. he said hey i heard it uh, Dennis, legend in the industry, was retiring and that maybe you should uh, give him a call and let him know if you're interested or not. And every time, it, it never fails. Every game when I'm going to put the jersey on because it's so tight, he always steps back 300 pounds onto my foot with cleats on. <laughs> oh. And it hurts.
0: You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We are now finally in the training camp edition or version of our podcast. I'm Tatum Everett, Gabe Henderson, back, back. from paternity leave. How was your time off?
2: Uh, I didn't want to come back. No, no, <laughs> no. Story of everyone's life no, that takes breaks, right? It, it was good. I, I had a lot of fun just being a dad for like two weeks. And then when I got back, I'm like, oh, wow, like she still stays home. And then I got to come to work. So it's just tough. Um, not being home, but, like, at the same time, it's, like, the best time of the year. So I'm ex- I'm excited to be back with you guys. Felt like forever. Came
0: back just in time for the action.
2: I can't wait. Being in the building yesterday, or at least the, the past couple of days, you just feel that energy of just the players being back. They're wanting to get going. And uh, I, I can't wait. This is what – I mean, we've all been in the NFL, working in the NFL for at least five years now. So we kind of understand that the 0-100 the to – kind of mentality of players not being in and then they're being back and it's just so much fun and so much juice. So I'm I'm excited just to tap into that and hopefully a a
3: successful season. I kind of joked with my wife after day one of uh, knowing that everyone was back in the building in camp and it was a later night and then got home and I'm sitting there and she's like, what's going on with you? And I just said, (laughs) it's only day one and I already feel this way just tired wise and I just know it's just the beginning yeah. of everything so it's it's the fun nervous energy for the beginning of what we hope is going to be a successful season
0: yeah Jay it's one of those things where we've been talking about this I feel like for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah and now that we're here it's like I don't believe that it's here <laughs> I feel like I'm in an alternate universe
3: well it was different and see like back in the past prior to having camp here at TCO Performance Center when it was down in Mankato, there was a, a chunk of people that would have to move their lives down to Mankato for the entire time, but then there was another chunk of people who would stay back trying to get everything else ready, so like I would, Jordan Strzok would go down to Mankato and cover everything every single day, and then I stayed back so that I could deal with things at the stadium and those kind of pieces. So there was always kind of this, this break a little bit of like, I can just concentrate on this stuff, I'll get a phone call or, or an email or something saying, hey, can you send this down digitally or whatever, or physically bring it down. But there was always kind of the separation break, knowing that it's about to ramp up and, and get going. Now when everyone's here every single day and and you're surrounded by it completely, there there is no escape from it. It's just like everyone's gonna have what they need to get done on a daily basis with the anticipation of preseason games, regular season coming, all that kind of a thing, and you just you 're completely immersed in it every single day when when you wake up and when you get here so it, it's a, just a different vibe and it's a fun vibe and everything and so when you're in the middle of camp you just know like yeah season is absolutely here right now
0: well, I, I mean it, it just feels like the first day of school you sure. saw some really funny uh actually one of my favorite parts is so I've, I will follow a lot of the wives on Twitter mm-hmm. or Instagram because it is kind of neat to see like their perspective of seasons and um they're posting like oh you're number seven gotta send them off to camp I'm like, this is just like, it's like a kind of like a celebratory time for everyone. They're like, we enjoyed the time together, but now it's like, see ya and like, Six months. I was gonna say it's <laughs> kinda like,
3: like mothers sending yeah. their kids off to school. Yeah. They're like, Yeah, summer was fun. It was great being around, you know, get out the door
0: and yeah, we'll yeah, go back right. to school. I think it
3: was
2: funny listening to Kirk Cousins on nine to noon earlier this week and he was saying, um, his wife, they were on a boat in Lake Michigan. It was like July fourth, and his wife was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so ready for training camp. Kirk's like, Whoa, <laughs> like wait. Like what, like we still have a few more weeks. Right. So uh, there, there are those wives that are just like, man, you've been home a little bit. Too I was gonna long. say, is that Julie like giving <laughs> yeah. a little nudge to Kirk, being right. like, she's, hey, she's got her I, Netflix I think shine. so she's like, she's like I think
0: you've been around too much, man. Like, yeah. I need you to leave a little bit more. Yeah, you no.
3: gotta get out of here. I love you, but but
0: right.
2: you
3: gotta go, right.
0: right? Wow. So
2: I mean, I mean, it's a it's a commitment. I feel like when, when you're in the league and you have a significant other, they have they have to understand the commitment that you have to put yourself through. So just yeah. hearing Kirk say that, I was like, wow. Like, she's, she's tapped in already, too. So Kirk
0: Kirk has been on one ever since quarterback, I'm telling you. Kirk Sound my gold.
2: Kirk is like one of those guys now where if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, he probably will turn into like the Pat Mahomes energy. Like that version of him on the field, I feel like that's what Kirk is going to be like the next five years of his career if he never wins. So I, I'm hoping Kirk just stays the same. He wins the Super Bowl. Minnesota accepts him forever. And we're... We're, um, I guess, parading downtown Minneapolis with Jay.
3: Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, the thing with him that last year, you know, you saw the Kirko chains and all that kind of stuff happen. You saw more of the personality. And you always kind of heard from guys like, listen, he's a little different behind the scenes. But you, people started to see that. Then with quarterback, you really got a behind the scenes look as to what it is, not only here and in, in, in the stadium and what it's like on game day, but. Behind the scenes with family and everything that way too. I, I I don't anticipate that going away anytime soon at this point, and especially now, it just feels like he's a lot more, especially publicly, just open and, and, and confident with that kind of stuff. And so I am curious to see just what it's going to be like going into this year. Where I, I think we can't downplay it, and it gets talked all the time, but I we, I don't think we can really downplay it. Just knowing that it's year two of the same system yeah. working with a coach yeah. that is that is helping and, and supporting him. So. Um, I, I am very curious just to see what that looks like with him, knowing what the numbers he's been putting up, what's it going to be like now that he doesn't have to walk in the door and get a brand-new playbook and have to figure stuff out again. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, going into this season, he's just going to be able to build off of what he did last year.
0: I do think the comfortability level has been a, a common thread when you talk about heading into year two with Kirk and this coaching staff. But even more so, like, as a person – Showing a little bit of another side of yourself to the world, but also knowing that this coaching staff and front office and everything about this organization is also leaning back into him. I feel like that is almost like a sense of freedom. Sure. Like maybe it'll help you play more loose, make you feel more comfortable in press conferences to say, say things, to step up, to be vocal. And I think that only good things can come from him feeling comfortable with not just the playbook and Kevin O'Connell, things like that, but just feeling more like... Supported. Supported, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like from a mental side of things. Yeah,
2: when when Kevin O'Connell came here, when he got hired to to the Minnesota Vikings, the first thing he said is he want Kirk to take leadership. He wants him to take ownership in this offense. And uh, when you do that, pretty much the team takes on the identity of the quarterback. So if you're the quarterback, you understand that. You say, okay, I'm just going to be myself. Hopefully the guys will rally around it, which they did. You won 13 games. So there's a... There's some some proof in the pudding that if I be myself, we can win games, and I can get you hopefully get you to the promised land. So to see Kirk kind of have another year in the same system, same offensive line, same receiver, sans Adam Thielen, that only makes that progression for him that much more. I'm not going to use the word elite because we I don't want to don't so don't sensitive. tag me, but it <laughs> it, it, it gets him to that that upper echelon of quarterbacks. I mean, you heard Patrick Mahomes talking about him being the most underrated quarterback, so maybe year two in the same offense helps him um, take this team over that hump. So I'm, I'm excited um, that that this team is – that he
3: finally has a team that takes on the identity of who he is as a person. I think one of the more interesting things when O'Connell came in too was he was openly saying publicly that he wanted him to be more aggressive and be willing to take more mistakes. Like you want to minimize those mistakes, but he's like, listen, if you're being aggressive and somebody jumps a route and that's how it goes, like – I'm not going to be breathing down your neck on that. I'm just going to say, like, what did you see? And if if you made the right read and the guy just made a play, that's a thing. That is a very freeing thing, I think, for him, where in the past it's always been, can he step up? Can he make the play? Can he be there in big spots? I mean, we saw last year when he was playing more free all of the games that we needed to have a drive, and then we got one. So uh, I just think having that mentality with a coach supporting him that way I think is going to open him up for for new things, and hopefully we just continue to see – more growth on what we saw last year with that comfort.
0: So what you're saying is when Kevin O'Connell said it should take on the identity of the quarterback, we should be like a dad, Cole's billionaire type of club.
3: <laughs> Some
0: hey, people say dad that. Dad style, Cole's billionaire. Be frugal
2: <laughs> with, you, with your money, but also, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess so. Uh, no, I guess I'm just so. kidding.
0: Yeah. I, the first thing that popped in <laughs> my head when you like, take on the identity of the quarterback, I was like, bunch of dads. <laughs>
3: Well, it, hey, if it, that's what it takes, Yeah. S- some say a bunch of dads. Other people say cool, cool, calm and collected oh, and uh, just calculated when he when he needed to be. And so Tough I skills. think I think we got a ton of flash on this team in that. But then you got the steady Eddie at quarterback at this point. And, and I, I think that is something that a lot of quarterbacks are looking for is to try to figure out, like, who am I and when, how do I fit here and how do I fit into this culture? And I think if there's so many times I think we kind of look and say, is that really who they are? Are they trying to be something that they're not? He's not doing that. He is he is as of now at this many years into the league, he is definitely himself and and comfortable with that.
0: So speaking of getting into like the identity of this team and whatnot, there's obviously 90 guys reporting to camp one of them being daniel hunter which is great yeah. good to see him in the building unsure when he starts practicing i'm sure the contract negotiations are still rattling on but is there a favorite battle that uh position wise that you guys are really keeping your eye on when the players hit the practice field today
3: well speaking of the de- defensive end that was actually one of my groups that i was looking at and and we all know what Daniil can do when he's out on that field comfortable with just what his role is and what he's supposed to do. He's a leader. We've talked about it repeatedly, fastest to 50 sacks in NFL history, et cetera, et cetera. But there's another group of guys there that are, that are kind of trying to figure out, you know, where do they fit? There's been a lot of promise. You've seen a lot of guys in DJ Wanham and Pat Jones get a lot of playing time and try to figure out what their role is going to be there. Luigi Villain is somebody who was, you know, here last year as well. But then you see a guy like Dean Lowry on this team and, and, you know, people have him slated um, different sites and everything as far as the starter at that left defensive end position. But uh, Sezi Tomowo and James Lynch are both all guys. All of these guys are people that everyone says, if they do take that next level jump should be and could be a starter in this league. And I think as a team that, in the past at least, has liked to rotate through defensive ends to try to keep them fresh and to keep them aggressive out there, we all know that last year one of the weaknesses was pass rush. And so I think you need to see more of a push from everybody within that group, both on the left and the right side, just hoping that they step up and can be defensive contributors, especially with this new, what we assume, aggressive uh, Brian Florence defense. So I'm curious to see just kind of how this entire group Handles going into this new defensive scheme
0: when I when you list those names off like guys that we are like the recognizable names if you follow the team closely they're guys we've either drafted or brought on recently and as free agents and and so many of them I feel like there's there's like one that's just about to to break off right like there's yeah. one that's just about to have a breakout season this year Um it's 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 a lot of guys. I think they see a ton of potential in. Sure. And so this is going to be such a super crucial time for them, especially during those joint practices, to try and like figure out who's at the top of that rotation. Because when you say DJ Wanham, James Lynch, Patrick Jones, like you see these names that we've heard for for some odd time, it would be. I feel like they're like right at the cusp, right?
2: Like DJ Wanham, this has to be a big right. year for him. Like he's in a contract year. He's been the guy that has supposed to, he was the, the sneaky pick of the the twenty twenty yeah twenty twenty NFL draft. And um you, you've seen some some surprise. You've seen him not be, you know, visible on the field. So it's like, okay, what do what do you want your career to look like? And this is another opportunity for him if Daniil Hunter, you know, does not play in purple this upcoming season is DJ, can you be that guy? This is I mean, same thing in 2020, Denil was hurt. He wasn't here. You got that opportunity. Now you're in your contract year can you show this Minnesota Vikings team that you can be someone that we can depend on to rush the quarterback in the future? So I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of do or die at this point. And uh, yeah, Patrick Jones, I'm so excited about him. I, I think just his his motor, mm-hmm. um, you, you can't teach that. I mean, the guy probably said 10 words, his first two years. <laughs> yeah, in the building. And then this off season, he's what talking to everybody. He's, he's in a different mood. He's like that energy. You feel that. So, Hopefully, one of those two guys
3: can step up. Even if Daniel does play this year. Well, and even you know, technically looking at this, one of the one of the thoughts last season was saying, now that we went from four three to three four as far as the defensive scheme, is that what affected these guys? Like, are they playing out of position? Are they not necessarily built for that kind of scheme? We're going to find out, yeah. especially now with a second coach coming in because if any of these guys really don't fit that scheme, like I don't necessarily think that scheme's going away anytime soon that all of a sudden they're going to be like, eh, it didn't work for two years, we're going to go back to 4-3. I think like the way that they've been drafting and that they've been looking at all the other positions defensively, I feel like we're going to be in this kind of 3-4 look for, for a bit unless there's some sort of huge philosophical change with somebody else. So any of these guys that are technically playing weak side linebacker and then the left defensive end, Positions like all of those different players are, are whether you're comfortable or not. This is the position that we're asking you to play in, so hopefully they can step up this season and, and, and make it their own. Yeah, so I'm going to go cornerback CBs. Um, that's the obvious choice right now
2: with um, Cameron Danstall not being here and Patrick Peterson not being here. You, you just want to see what guy's going to step up. Um, I was just looking at those two guys that I just named and just some of the games they played in last year. They played in all but three games last year. So on our current roster, there are only two players that have played in purple since they've, I guess, that are on this current roster right now. So when you look at that, it's like, who's going to step up? Like, there's, we we know there's going to be a lot of blitzing. We know there's going to be a lot of man-to-man. So Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., Byron Murphy Jr., like, which one of those guys are going to take this group uh, by the horns and say, okay, I'm going to be the guy. We're going to be the group that's going to pick this team up, no matter if we have a pass rush or not. So that's the the biggest position battle, especially when you have uh, those guys going in one-on-ones versus Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison every day. So they're going to get the work. They're they're not going to see too many better, better receivers week in and week out than the ones that are on this Vikings roster right now. So, um. Yeah, the oldest guy in the room is 25 years old. So <laughs> yeah. they, they're young. I mean, so, they're, it,
0: it, so what you're saying is they're speedy. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. They got better fresh, legs. fresh legs.
0: Fresh legs. <laughs> fresh
2: legs. You don't you don't start you know filling the the cinder blocks on your on your legs until about <laughs> 28, 29. So I, I'm excited to see you know what an Andrew Booth Jr. can do just in his second year uh, in the league. Um, you know, having a few welcome to the NFL moments last year. I'm just speaking of that Buffalo Bills game in particular. Against Stephon Diggs, he had him in a blender literally the entire (laughs) game. But you you learn from those moments. So I'm excited to see what he can do under Byron Murphy Jr., who we all know has played some really, really good football in Arizona the past couple of years. So um, if if you're not watching that group, I I don't know.
0: Oh, I think there are Uh, a lot of people here in Minnesota watching that group, especially with the history the Vikings have had of drafting cornerbacks and really – the unsuccessful nature of the of the ones yeah. from a previous regime. You kind of look at the the track record and it's not it's not great in recent years. Um these guys are young and I always think back to like the number one uh, mantra when it comes to like uh, like success as a player. Your your best ability is your availability. And I think that's going to be such a crucial, crucial point for this group in particular Um, because they have had their bout of injuries. And with the youth and the inexperience, someone's going to have to step up. And I think like the healthiest man is going to get those those reps and those starts. And so staying healthy and being very conscious of what's going on with your body, I think, is going to be so crucial.
3: I think that group in particular is so important, just the chemistry on the back end, they have to have a shorthand just to be able to to work with each other. Like you got to be able to give a guy a look and be like, you got this, or you know, or handing people off. You got to be on your P's and Q's. And especially if what we've talked about all summer long, the idea of Harrison Smith being able to roam free. Like some of these guys are gonna be on an island and you're not gonna be able to hide yourself out there when you're one on one against a guy. So like you better know what you're doing and they're gonna need these reps, especially in camp. To make sure that they're they're they've, they're developing that shorthand that they can all work together in sync, and knowing that you know there is no question, everyone knows their role, now you just got to perform. Yeah, that that's the the main thing.
2: Um, of course, OTAs and mini camp, you had so many different guys getting rotations. But the funnest part of camp for me is when the pads come on, because that's when you really see who the ballers are. So um, yeah, you know, get the mental aspect done, but still like. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of live practices this year because they want to see which cornerbacks can come up and tackle uh, without, you know, hopefully getting injured. But at the same time, you just – man, I just can't wait for – I think it's what, July 31st, first day of padded practice? Yeah,
0: Monday. Mm -hmm.
2: So – that that'll be the day when we start to see which cornerbacks start to separate themselves from the rest.
0: And I think the exciting part too is when you look at the depth there. There are some names that you know are guys that are fighting for roster spots, but you're going to see a lot of these guys play in the preseason games, whether you like it or not. Like health health aside, they're gonna they want to see them in live games, as you said, Gabe. Yeah. So I think that it'll be kind of an exciting time for the. That's preseason. a really good
2: point because. I mean, I mean, probably ninety percent of our defense is going to play in the preseason. A lot of it, like ninety percent of our starting starters on offense probably won't
3: play. So yeah,
2: yeah that's I, I didn't think about that.
3: Yeah, well, especially now when you do the mass cut down yeah. to fifty three from ninety, you know, you keep your entire ninety roster yes. where you know ten guys here, fifteen guys there, kind of a thing would happen during camp. Now
0: they're going all the now way now to the end.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Like you're going to have a full roster, and we all know as camp goes on, you know, things happen whether not to speak of existence, but injuries and that kind of thing happen, they're also watching waiver wires from all these other teams trying to figure out who's out there and and even the other leagues and just try to figure out what can we do to best fit this roster. So all these guys are literally on a daily basis, you know, trying to f- secure their spot on this roster. And so your Makai Blackmans and a Caleb Evans, uh, Jawan Williams and Tay Gowans, all these different guys, they're all going to have to every time they get on the field Put their best foot forward and and be able to show them like I belong on this team because it just is the nature of the way the NFL works at this point.
2: Did y'all know you and I both were looking at um, ESPN's Vikings depth chart. Yeah, we have eight cornerbacks on our roster. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever seen that since I've been hired. It's a like lot. Eight.
3: Well, think about it. So you got I'm, I'm, of course it's training camp, but like and then you got six safeties. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's fourteen guys right in that secondary there that you're really just, are trying
0: out. Right. <laughs> That's just it. And, <laughs>
3: and so then you know. How important is the idea of, of nickel? You know, like who's going to step up and take that nickel role? Um, we invested in a guy like Jay Ward at safety as well. Mm-hmm. A guy like Josh Metellus doesn't want to give anything like that up. Lewis Seen coming Such back from injury. Shot. Like that entire back end of the defense, there are so many questions going into this year. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be one of the most interesting things to watch the entire 100%. chunk of camp of preseason.
0: I'm really interested in watching the running backs as well. I feel like this may be like one of the – like this segment probably should have been recalled – like renamed. What are the most obvious position battles that we're watching? <laughs> because – you know, I feel like we have talked a lot about them. Quarterback, now, yeah, right, right, oh so, yeah, that would be the most obvious, but, 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 but you know, with the the news that Dalvin Cook has is no longer with the team, and then Alex Madison stepping up, I don't think it's like a hundred percent. Like, it, I, I think it's his job to lose, but I do think the way that this system is going to run, and there's going to be so much room for others to get involved. Um, who picks up the pass catching? Uh, opportunities that Dalvin Cook kind of leaves behind. Who will fill that void? And there's just some really exciting names in that room. Like, what type of leap can Kene Wangwu take? Ty Chandler, after a great preseason, how is he going to bounce back this year? And and will he have the same pop he did last year? Yeah. And then you've got Dwayne McBride, who was a standout at UAB. We talked about how many fourteen. Guys in the secondary, there's only four running backs in the roster. That yeah. that's that's and these are guys that have all been drafted, which is also pretty interesting when you look at it as well. Um and this is obviously excluding CJ, like obviously he's in the room, but um there are two fullbacks on the roster. So but there's four pure running backs. And um I, I'm excited to watch that unfold, see who kind of fills in what spots and and how you know, I, I do think on week one, like it's Alex Madison yeah. starting, yeah. but but where where's where's this, where this going to go?
2: I think it, I think this is probably the toughest position to like evaluate during training camp, simply because like there's nobody getting tackled, and Alexander Madison is probably not going to play in the preseason. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is because the the biggest thing that you miss with Dalvin Cook is his playmaking ability. Like, yeah, he you know there were some you know minus yards or you know tackles for loss. I think there was like a stat that. For every two positive runs that he had, there was a negative run there. But those two positive runs, he was like making plays. And uh, Alexander Madison, I think that's my biggest question mark for him. Is like, okay, we know you can fall forward. We know you can, if the hole is there, you can hit it. But like, can you actually make a play out of nothing? And that's what Dalvin Cook um, pretty much did. And I'm, I'm interested to see how you know Kevin O'Connell addresses that, like how he yeah, how he exactly. looks at that, how he I guess how he grades. Playmaking during training camp with no tackling or no preseason game. So um, that 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 is a really good point when it comes to position battles because we, we really don't know. Like Alex could be we starting week one and week two, and let's say Ty Chandler comes in uh, week one when when Alex needs a break and then goes for thirty yard game. Mm-hmm. Now the whole conversation reopens of like, hey, we finally got a playmaker at this position. So it, that that'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited to see you know, how they evaluate that this year.
0: Furthermore, it's interesting because of the fact that the run game needs was kind of – didn't, it didn't hold the offense back last year, but it definitely has the most improvement, um, sure. I would say, out of the position groups and the offense. Um, and obviously that starts with the line, but I really want to see where Curtis Modkins, the run game coordinator, former offensive coordinator in the league, he's got so much experience. Like how much creativity is he given, how he works with Wes – how he works with Josh Oliver, the new tight end, who's really good at run blocking. Like, how are they going to shore that up? Because I know, you know, the, I think they were like 20-something in running and rushing. And so I, I'm interested to see how that would also play as a factor into this.
3: Sure. And a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Charch on, and he was yeah. <laughs> pounding his hand on the table saying, Ty Chandler's my guy this oh, yeah.
0: year. Oh, yeah. He's a big oh. Ty Chandler yeah. fan.
3: Yep. Yeah. And so part of it for him, too, and, and we kind of talked about this. Charge. Similar to Tony Pollard. Just thinking of his yeah. use the way it was down in Dallas. And, you know, his whole point was just saying, I think Ty is going to be so important given if he takes on the pass catching duties and being more shifty in open field that he's going to be undeniable. Like you got to got to put them, um, swap them in and out as games go on. Um, you know, and I, I think back to when we've had in the past kind of a thunder and lightning uh Backfields on this team with uh, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray and those guys, where they would kind of take on different duties. But if you get to a point where you know maybe you are sharing some of that, I think a guy like Alexander is going to say you know kind of over my dead body to start. Mm. Um, but I think it that this whole position group. I mean, they also are crucial on special teams. You know, there's there's a discussion of saying like, how does Kane fit in? Um, it's just. It's gonna be really weird um just to look at this new running back position to say, yeah, we have some of these guys that we recognize, but it's gonna be a completely revamped idea because of what Delvin was able to do. I just think if they're gonna be more intentional or they go, Oh, Madison's in here, it's gonna be a run. Chandler's in the backfield, it's gonna be a pass. And defenses yeah, try true. to run mm-hmm. like that, they're going to have to be more versatile. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at your offensive line saying, You just everyone knows what you're doing. You have to be as aggressive as possible and make this happen. Otherwise, the the thing that you would worry about in those situations is when they do start to guess on that. If they start to guess correctly, that means that in passing situations, you know, Kirk's going to take more pressure, and uh, in running situations, they're just going to be more stout on that offensive line. So something's got to give, and uh, you know, hopefully for all of these guys within the running back room, they're able to step up and and make sure that you know they don't skip a beat and that we can be more versatile than predictable. And uh, if that's the case, then that just opens up in a completely other lane for your offense going into the season.
0: Yeah, Chargers picking up Ty Chandler in a lot of his uh, late rounds and a lot of his uh, guillotine links. Yeah, mm-hmm. Char- that yep. doesn't
2: surprise me. No, that doesn't surprise <laughs> no. me. Char- charge would do something like that. Yeah, late rounds and trying to look win. for him. And then well, win then, it
0: all. well, then, and then you know, yeah, who knows? I don't know how. What's? I wonder what the probability of his win. His like, what's his winning percentage? I was gonna
3: say when you're in thirty leagues. leagues, you can take some swings
0: and yeah, some stuff, right? right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I guess yeah. we
2: need
3: to ask which who, which running back
2: are you going with because clearly you win your fantasy leagues every <laughs> so,
0: year. So. I don't. I I place. <laughs> I have yet to win. She does
3: well.
2: Uh, I okay. do do well.
0: Okay. Um, if I had to pick one from from. Um, our running back room? Yeah. See, that's what's tough. I don't think... If I were to take this as a non-employee you know employee of the NFL, picking my fantasy, I don't know if I would pick a Vikings running back right now. It would be really difficult to make that call because I'm thinking of like... Well, and then obviously it depends on like what kind of a league you're in. Is it?
3: PPR
2: and that PPR, kind PPR, of
0: thank yeah. you, yeah. See, this is how good I am at fantasy. <laughs> I, I can't even recall what PPR is. I just get I've lucky, never, I've I I've never played,
2: so you're totally um, like, that.
0: Yeah, so I think... I think I would choose Madison for now but I don't think I would take him super high. I don't know what his reps are going to look like but I want someone who's going to score touchdowns but it's the it's the running backs that do both that you want to get, right? Like yeah. you like Tony Pollard, great. Uh Nick Chubb. Like you want someone that can like they're able to Kareem Hunt was fantastic. Echler, Hunt, like yeah, Eckler, nice Eckler's yeah, you want someone that can like score-passing and, and and rushing touchdowns and, and contribute on both. That's why you draft a quarterback that can do both, too. Like, that's why not just because Patrick Mahomes is the most successful quarterback who wins Super Bowls but you want the running as well as the pass that's why Justin Fields he might not win games but he'll win you fantasies
3: to go nice and nerdy for uh fantasy football this is the ultimate handcuff situation where if you draft Madison Ooh, you need you to pick up Ty, Ty Chandler, Chandler. Late, in
0: the, yep. late
3: in the draft
2: so yeah. true that's yep. how it Hand works. handcuff
0: yeah that's always good gosh I got to start thinking about that don't
2: I <laughs> you're welcome
0: oh yeah. man the so much my to think about set
2: up, no way I could do that <laughs> yeah no way.
0: Mean, you know does it, it does make, it does make watching football and, like, paying attention a little bit more fun. Just a little bit.
3: Yeah, because you're paying attention to other games and yeah. other players that you might not necessarily pay attention to. I think it's why the the entire enjoyment of it and just the industry of it has exploded the way it has, um, including things like Red Zone. You know, the idea of Red Zone before you – it'd be fun if you are a transplant somewhere else saying, I just want to see my team. Now there's so many people you can literally go into some of those red zone pieces and put your fantasy players in it and it'll show you. No way. Yeah, there's there's it gets really crazy on some of them that you could put in like your roster and then it'll give you notifications as things are happening and stuff too. So I
0: should probably do that. So I don't just like sit on my app the entire Sunday (laughs) and just like refresh.
3: You really want to be getting ding, ding, ding from, you know, 12 different players as somebody catches a six yard pass. And it's like, actually I do
0: Jay. I really do. I want, I want that. I'm, I, I am the target market.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're missing out.
0: (laughs) I know. As someone who loves it, I can only handle one team. I can't do more than that. I just really can't. (laughs) (laughs)
3: but <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it.
0: Uh, I think this. I think that would lead to us bringing in our guests for the day. I should have said this at the top of the show, but we're really excited to bring in our Director of Equipment Services, Mike Parson. He's new to the Vikings. He's been here about three months or so, taking over for Dennis Ryan, who was with our organization for so long. But uh, I think that if you guys are massive Vikings fans, this is a great interview because Mike is just as experienced and qualified of a person as he is a director of equipment services. His background is extensive and he just does things the right way. You can just tell. And it was really awesome. I know Jay and I really enjoyed this conversation that we had. So we hope that you enjoy our guest to MVP this week, Mike Parson. And now joining us on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, someone we're so excited to be in the building and to have in our podcast studio. It's the director of equipment services, Mike Parson, new to Minnesota. You You've walked in here, you're like, it's almost three months. Actually, by the time this comes on, I think it'll be three months Yeah, it'll here. be three months. Man, time flies and goes slow at the same time.
1: That's right. And <laughs> I'm enjoying this weather up here. So, But everybody tell me, brace for the winters.
0: And you've spent most of your career in the South.
1: All in the South. So yeah. New Orleans, Houston, Mississippi, South Carolina.
0: Sounds like a lot of humidity.
1: A lot of humidity. <laughs> so you're loving fact, I the I visited summer. there uh, last week, okay. two weeks around the fourth, yeah, and I had to get back because it was, it was brutal.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, the longer that you've been around it, or the longer that you're in this like nice summer, then like you get the really cool weather, you become such a ninny when it comes to humidity. I now go home and I'm like, what is this stuff?
1: Yeah, it's it's not good.
0: Yeah, you get you don't get used to it. But no, I mean, yeah, you. So you kind of mentioned it. You spent 13 seasons with the Texans. You've made stops in New Orleans, and you also are. Mississippi State alum, you I made am. the college round. So, so yeah, it's a, tell us a little about, like, what attracted you because of all this stuff that you've done in the South and that's a, kind of like a comfort area. What attracted you up here to Minnesota?
1: Uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I know <laughs> how great of an organization it is. And uh, really and truly, I wasn't planning on getting back in the NFL. I was, uh, got my mortgage broker's license. And for some reason, I was following the Minnesota Vikings all last year. You know, have a lot of friends on, on the staff already, you know, Uriah, Derek Keyes. Uh, so I followed the Vikings on TV that way, watched a lot of the videos on your website and grew a fondness to what uh, Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi are doing here.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So when did they list the job online? Like, was it that easy? No.
1: So <laughs> I had a friend call me and nice. said, hey, I heard that uh, Dennis, the legend in the industry, was retiring And that uh, maybe you should uh, give them a call and let them know if you're interested or not. And I really wasn't going to get back in it, but this was the only organization that I had interest in because Mm of one of the top notch facilities here and the report card that the players put out about how, you know, they were treated. And then, you know, talking to Uriah and those guys, they really enjoy working here, so. If I wanted to get back in it, it I wanted it to be a good situation. I thought this was a great situation. That's great word of mouth
3: to, to have that. Um, go back in the way, way back machine. And how did you get started in this in the first place? Because I know there's certain people that just, they love doing it. There's other people that kind of fall
1: into it. So like for you, how did you get started in this industry in the first place? It's, it's funny because I wanted to play football, but I was like a buck 15. <laughs> and uh, my high school coach, uh, Robert Morgan, he come up to me and he told me, he said, Mike, He said, why don't you think about being a manager? You can get a full scholarship in college. And when I heard full scholarship, I was, I was all, I was all ears. Interesting enough, my high school mascot is the Vikings. And, uh, so I I thought that was pretty ironic that, you know, I started my career as a Viking and hopefully I am my career as a Viking. (laughs) Uh, but then I went off to college at Mississippi state, got a full scholarship doing it. And, um, I was actually going to school to be a journal in journalism because I wrote for my local newspaper as a sports writer in Vicksburg, Mississippi, called the Vicksburg Post. I did. I started that when I was fifteen. Wow! On a dare from my older brother. He he, he said they're not going to hire you, and I said, "Watch it, they're hiring." Wow! And I I did that all throughout college, and then I realized that I enjoyed doing equipment. And then I did a summer internship with the New Orleans Saints. And I worked for Dan Simmons. He worked for the Saints, I think it was 43 years. Wow! And he's in the Saints Hall of Fame. So I worked for some pretty big legends in the equipment industry because my boss at Mississippi State, Phil Silva, he worked there for like 30 years and just, I I just took nuggets from each of those guys and kind of molded myself into what I think is the perfect equipment guy, you know, collaborate with everybody in the building, try to be positive because you're around the players all the time. So for me, it's we love to win, but whether we win or lose, I have to do the same job. So I try to have the best attitude when the guys come in.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like, collaborations. I think I think one of the first questions I really put in here was, like, if you had an average Joe walking down the street, how would you describe what you do? Because I think it's more than just like, oh, here's a cleat, here's a helmet, any of that, you know, like the
1: yeah. uh, surface level things. So. The the equipment manager position has really been evolving over the last I would say ten years, especially when you look at the health and safety aspect of it. Um, the equipment industry has really grown. We we test pretty much every protective equipment that the players wear: helmets, shoulder pads, cleats. That's a big thing for us because properly fitted. I mean, you can't. You're not going to prevent every injury, but you can minimize some risk. So we Great. The great thing about this organization is we collaborate. So I'm under the player performance group. So, you know, meet with the athletic trainers, uh, strength and conditioners, staff, nutritionists. We all meet and we all collaborate and we try to figure out ways to to make it better for our players, try to get them optimize their performance just a little bit better. So that to me, when I meet someone on the street and they ask me what I do, the first thing they ask me, and this is no lie, they ask me. (laughs) Do you get to go to the games? <laughs> then I <might> just <laughs> laugh. <laughs> because they really don't understand. And you know, back in the day, the equipment guy was seen as, oh, he's a guy that you go get socks from, he wash the clothes, stuff like that. But in the organization, especially now when you have great players that have a lot of marketing opportunities, you know, I'm in charge of making sure that, you know, our guys' uniforms and stuff and presenting the organization uh in those commercials is paramount. So That's one thing we do. But as far as logistics, uh, making sure that we collaborate with every department, make sure they have everything that they need uh, on the truck so that we can get it to the plane or get it to U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, But I really enjoyed that part of it Mm -hmm. because there's nothing better than sitting on a plane out there win, and everything went right. Yeah, and uh, you can just kind of take a deep breath. So I get I get my rise off of that. That's the thing. Like your department, the grind
3: that you guys have on an annual basis is unbelievable, especially yeah. during the season. I mean, it's it's more than six days a week. It's typically yeah. seven days a week all hours, we get back, you know, people get back from the plane, they want to just go home, go to bed, you guys are going back to the the office mm-hmm. and start doing laundry, getting everything ready for for the next day for practice and stuff. Like, the grind that you guys have to do, you really have to love your job in order to be doing that, correct?
1: Yes, you have to, you have to be self-motivated. But one thing we, as a staff, we strive to do is to support the players and coaches so that when they come in every day, they don't really have to worry about much. Uh, but you have to take a lot of pride. That's something my guys, they take a lot of pride in the work that they do, uh, making sure that the players look really good on the field. But they also have to be physically fit because, like you say, it is a grind. If you watch Terrell out at practice, he is running <laughs> uh-huh. his butt off. And, you know, Adam and all those guys, they having to pick up all these heavy pads and all that stuff. So we we have to keep ourselves physically fit because we're on our feet all day long. But we we love the grind of it. We love, like you say, after a game we're resetting. We we're getting ready for the next one, whether it's you know after week one, we you know I think we announced it already. So we got the throwback and we got to change yep. all the face masks and everything back to the normal and then get ready for a Thursday game. Yeah. So that's something that we... Well, that's we, gonna
0: be a tough turnaround.
1: It's tough, but we that's when we get to show our talents off. You know, you know everybody think that anybody can do our jobs, but <laughs> it's a, yeah it's it's a lot to it so we get to plan ahead and you know we hadn't even started camp yet and I'm already thinking about Seattle sure so yeah. sometimes I have to slow myself down and realize wait a minute we didn't even started practicing yet <laughs> yeah but that's just it too like even you were talking about you know
3: having to get ready for that Thursday game I'm sure with the new rule change potentially of that flex Thursday game exactly. at some point that's just kind of the looming you know elephant in the room that you guys are kind of going to are we gonna have to deal with this or not exactly like because you are as regimented as you are at times when you're doing that, but you still have to be reactive, yes. how do you kind of work through and anticipate stuff like that as far
1: as your department goes? Yeah, so we really and truly, I used to always tell my friends that I always think of doomsday scenarios. Sure. And you really, it's like a coach, you know, coach has to think of what would happen, what, we, what are we going to do if this happens? So it's the same thing with us. We We don't know what the weather's going to be. That's true. Right now. We don't know what the weather is going to be in Cincinnati down the road, but we have to plan for everything. We have to bring everything just in case something turns and we need to be ready for that. So we just sit down as a staff and we think about certain scenarios that can come up. What are we going to do? How are we going to react? Because when something do pop up, you know, the players are looking at us. Coaches are looking at us. My staff is looking at me for the answers and you have to be cool and calm and kind of get everybody heart rate down. So, yeah, what
0: sure. comes to mind for me is when um, you know, when when turf becomes a factor or, or natural grass, yes. sorry, becomes a factor yep. and you've got to pick which cleats to wear and that became such an issue for yep. one of our games this past season and I'm like completely blanking on which one. Um, but there was a game, there's an outdoor game this season where I know you had to have both yep. both pairs of cleats and you weren't sure which one's to wear for which ground and it like became an issue, which mm-hmm. was really interesting.
1: Yeah, so you you have all the options available to the players, and then you want them to at least try it out and pre, you know, before we start pregame, and then you make adjustments from there. Uh, a lot of guys they like what they like, and they don't want to change it. So, you know, ultimately it's the player's decision, but we try to educate them and steer them in the in the right way.
0: What's the pickiest? like in your career, what, is there a player who's been like so picky that you're like, okay, I cannot mess this up for them.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that I wouldn't say picky, but superstitious. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, JJ Watt. I worked with him yeah. and sure throughout his career in Houston, I was with him the whole time. And he, certain times he, I have to put his Jersey on, put his pad on him, and only me, I can't have any help. And <laughs> every time it, it never failed. Every game when I'm going to put the jersey on because it's so tight, he always steps back 300 pounds onto my foot with clicks <laughs> oh. on. And it hurts. Uh-huh. But, um, you mm. know, we we know the quirks that the players, and that's the one thing I'm excited about getting to know here, getting to know the players. Uh, like I said, luckily I got a staff that was here before and they know a lot of what the guys like, but I'm I'm interested to see what are some of the quirks of some of the guys. Oh, they and
0: use quirks. That's yeah, such a great yeah, word yeah. for it.
1: Yep. And uh it's it's interesting because we know what every individual person wants, how they want it. That's coach, player, staff mm. member. But Then I have a hard time remembering people's name when they introduce (laughs) themselves. I can remember all that stuff.
0: Well, because, I mean, look at all the stuff you have to keep in your brain.
1: Yeah. so (laughs) that's a lot going on up there. And that's the thing, too. Like the
3: fact you said, you know, you've been here now for a few months and you're trying to get everything acclimated and ready and camp's about to start and everything. Like how much of it was, you know, drinking from a fire hose, just trying to get up to speed
1: and get ready for what's about to happen? So a lot of it, I I really leaned on Terrell and Adam and Blake. Because like I said, they've been here and they've done such a good job with Dennis in the past. So a lot of the things, you, you what they, what's the saying about uh, you can't eat the whole elephant, you only do it a bite at a bite of the of the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. It's like uh, keep the main thing the main thing. And when you have time, let's think about down the road. But really and truly, Dennis assembled such a good staff of people that work game day and all that stuff. And I met with all of them, let them know, hey, whatever you were doing. Let's continue to do that we evaluate it if there's a more efficient way to do it we'll we'll look at changing it but right now we're not making any drastic changes per sure. se and
3: so. that's the thing that group has been together for a very long time, long time. and and they almost have a shorthand too so mm-hmm. it's same kind of thing for like just walking in even in that office and working with those different people trying to figure out their shorthand exactly they're trying to figure out you know how do you work and everything yeah. as well and so it'll be probably a little bit of a learning curve but yeah. I it,
1: I think the group that you're with is is so great yeah that you and guys that's guys the biggest thing you is with the players, coaches, and even my staff and all the other staff members is I had to gain their trust. Sure. Um, because, you know, a lot of people do depend on this position, uh, that everything is going to be there when when it needs to be there. So that was one thing that I was very uh, appreciative of, that everyone opened me with open arms, all the players. That's it's been great. really cool getting to know them and kind of how they like things. So. Yeah,
0: it's a really good group. <laughs> Um, and, I, and I know you you mentioned Dennis Ryan who retired yes. after nearly 50 years in the organization, mm-hmm. a legend in this industry and you're only the third I know in Vikings history to be um, in charge of equipment services. So when you when I say all that to you, like what does it mean to you to be able to take over for someone like him?
1: it's it's a complete I'm flattered one and it's an honor. Uh, I've gotten to know Dennis when I was in Houston we would meet. Uh, at the equipment managers meetings and Dennis is a very humble, quiet guy. Mm -hmm. But for some reason I would always get him to talk to me and we became really good friends that way. As a matter of fact, about three weeks ago we had dinner Uh, and you know, I just wanted him to know that don't feel like you're stepping on my toes if you want to come back around, because as far as I'm concerned, you are this organization. Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, like I said, I was really flattered whenever he called me and see if I'd be interested in the opening and, uh, just everything that he's done throughout his career, I mean, he was innovative and some like I'm learning a lot about him. I'm learning a lot about uh Stumpy. Stumpy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. learning a lot. And it it to me it's an honor to carry on the tradition that those guys have set forth with this organization because I was only the second in Houston, but Houston was such a young New organization. organization yeah. And it's cool for me to learn the history of the Vikings. Yeah. And just you know, try to continue those traditions. My favorite story Dennis ever told about being an equipment manager was when he was with
3: Stubby and, and it was prior to them moving from Met Stadium mm-hmm. and when they were moving to the other facility and uh, his boss decided he didn't want to have to move all the equipment so he took all the equipment out in the parking lot and just put kerosene on it and lit it on fire. <laughs> I didn't know and, and so the deal was they lit it on fire, and then the neighbors that were around the stadium at the time started calling the fire department saying the stadium's on fire. What? So all oh, of a sudden, all the all the fire trucks and everybody come flying around the corner— and they're like, "Oh no!" And then they pulled up, and he's just like, "No, we're just we we're not going to move this stuff, so we're just you know getting rid of it." And <laughs> oh the fire goodness. department just looked at him and said, "Next time you do something like this, at least give us a heads up, yeah. so you don't get you all these like phone calls from the and, But that was the thing, and that's that's why when Dennis was one of the guys that when pe- someone would would try to sell something that was an authentic helmet or a jersey or something along those lines, they would call him to say, "Is this real or not?" Because he knew. A giant chunk of the historical artifacts that we would have from before yeah. were burned in that little bonfire that they had, and so Dennis would tell this this story about how you know that happened. It's like, yeah, I don't think we can get away with that anymore. No,
1: no, no. no.
0: And I think you could probably sell them for a pretty penny nowadays, huh? Yeah,
1: I, I imagine you can. It's a pretty big industry, the memorabilia market, for I sure. Tr- I uh, I don't mess with that, uh-huh. so I just let the players that they they want their stuff, they keep it in the past. That's, yeah, you know, sure yeah it's just it's crazy to think about how it's all evolved oh it's evolved big time
3: I mean you look at the old helmets and stuff Mm -hmm. you you had the you know the shells with kind of the almost like uh, uh, elastic with some leather and stuff in it and nowadays equipment is so incredibly sophisticated like how do you go through vetting that kind of stuff and how do you guys go through evaluating what you recommend and what you don't
1: yeah so the good thing is I was on I was when I was in Houston I was on a lot of uh, advisory boards uh in particular with Rydell, and I work with the league, uh, BioCore, a lot. And I'm I'm excited to start doing that again. But the great thing about all of our equipment now is more customized. Sure. So, you like you said, you went from the leather straps to the air technology to now everything's 3D scanned and it's fit. Custom molded. Custom molded to that player. And it, it, it tests better. So it, it gives me peace of mind to know that, we're not sparing any expense to protect our players. And we have great support from the Wilf family here. And, you know, they give us the resources to do what we need to do to protect the players. But, like I said, it's also a collaboration with uh, myself and the, the whole sports performance group with Tyler Williams and Uriah and, and Josh. So we all work together and we, we try to do what is best for the player. I remember the first time I ever picked up a pair of
3: Percy Harvin's cleats that were custom molded carbon fiber fly wires. Yes, and how light those things were. And I went,
1: "It's a completely different game." At this yeah, point. it's completely yeah. different. We we test cleat patterns on turf and all that stuff, and we we three D scan their feet to make uh, their feet just to make sure that they're in the right size and all that, and uh, we try to educate the player and. They've been really receptive of it here. The sure. Have, so.
0: Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you have to pack for these games and like every, all the stuff you have to bring and all the personalization mm-hmm. and customization, how would you rate your organization skills? Like one out of 10.
1: If you go in my office, it looks really organized. <laughs> if You go to my house it's organized now, but uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, OCD. As I feel you like say. you have to be. Yeah, You have to be. Um, we have our superstitions as well, our processes that we do, Checklist upon checklists, yeah. and more than one set of eyes on it, on everything, because you don't want to get complacent and think, oh, I got this, and you mess up and misspell a name on the back of a jersey or something like that. Oh, so, yeah. Um, like I said, I enjoy it. It's, it's something I really – I enjoy the pressure of getting it done each week for the team. I love being dependent on so – uh for me, I enjoy it, but I also love uh, the camaraderie that me and my staff have. And, you know, we're building to get to know each other and kind of, like I said, our quirks and things like that. And uh, it's, it's been fun, though. Yeah, really because not one,
0: no, no one man can get it all done, no, which is no. why it's such a cool team effort.
1: Like I tell those guys, I give them all the credit and I take all the bullets. That's my job, so.
3: But that's the thing, too, like thinking about even on game day, one of the things that's always impressed me, especially on the road, is just how everyone knows their role, everyone knows their duties, and everyone just kind of handles their business, even if they have to react in a pressure situation. Mm -hmm. So you see like yourself and your immediate crew on the sideline, but then there's a whole host of people that are also handling everything else in the background. And 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 as the game is going on, you know, you might not need something anymore, and you're packing that kind of stuff up and sending it to the truck so that within half an hour to an hour after the game, everyone's on the bus and heading to the airport that's kind right. of thing. Like your crew has to almost be militaristic and right. how they handle all their business. Yeah,
1: and uh, always, I, I use the analogy, you know, I watch a lot of um, videos, educational videos about like Air Force One and stuff like that. And you hear all the former captains of Air Force One, they always say, we have zero fail missions. Sure, And that's what we try to do. We try to make sure that, Every little minute really counts when you think about it because you got players, you got coaches, they're all up there on, sitting up on the plane. The players just got to be playing for three hours and we want to get get in the air so they can start the recovery process. So we try to figure out how do we shave some of those minutes down. So at halftime, you know, a lot of the things that we don't need, we already get that packed up. As soon as stuff come out the field, we send one truck to the airport and that stuff is being loaded up. And then we come with the last truck so we don't have that much of a wait time. For me, that's the stuff that I really enjoy is sitting down on a plane. And by the time everybody is settled in, we're closing doors and we're getting ready to go. Well, because no. you're
0: finally relaxed. You
1: get to relax. right? Yep. So,
0: so do you ever watch any of the game? Are you so focused on like what you got to get done?
1: I do watch the game, but we watch it in a different way. Okay. We're looking for any equipment malfunctions. Gotcha. We're listening to the coach quarterback system just in case, you know, Kirk is not getting it or, you know, just we, we really have to look at it a different way and then we can react to anything, but we do so much prep work throughout the week that you really it's a lot of watch, watching the game. Like me, I'll be in the locker room after halftime from on just to make sure that everything is getting loaded up and we're ready to go and we're ready to go after the game. So uh, that's when the trust of my crew, which I do, I trust them a lot. They'll handle all that out on the sideline. Yeah. And you know, and then
0: you don't know what the outcome is.
1: Oh, I know what the outcome <laughs> is because I'm checking that score.
0: Yeah, I bet. I but, bet. You know, that's funny.
1: And there's nothing greater than seeing – the players and coaches walk in the locker room at the win, seeing yeah. the sheer joy on their face. Everybody in the organization, they take a part in it. And it's knowing that we are kind of like the tour management of the group, we but we're still working. We we get to enjoy it too, but I don't really get to enjoy it until I sit down on that plane and I bet. There's always the clothes, and we're getting ready. Which I bet. And to you guys me. are
0: always the last on. Yeah. It's amazing what you do. I have to, I it would I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out to my bestie, Brayson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my road, my road best friend. We sat next to each other every, every, on the bus every time because he was always the last in and I was like, sure, come sit next to me. And then it was a tradition and it became yep. superstition, which I guess is part of the it whole thing. It is part of sports. Yeah. Welcome to sports. <laughs> which is part of it. Yep. Um. The classics you mentioned a little bit ago. Yes. What do you think of them? I think
1: they're gorgeous.
0: It's pretty cool to like, yeah. ha- what does it take to like um, incorporate like a brand new uniform into the system as well? So
1: I, I would have to be completely honest. I was not involved in this. this no, it's all like all three Dennis years around. in the making. Yeah. It takes years in the making. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where everyone in the organization, uh, from ownership to Erin Swartz and her group, uh, everyone gets involved in it. And you know, they take the, the input of the equipment manager, but you know, I like to let them in in the past I like to let them handle that. And I just give them my advice on certain little things. But it's fun. Uh I said I used to wear gorgeous, but I think the players say they're lit or fire or something like that. <laughs> something like that, or, yeah. And uh
0: drip something. Yeah, I drip. Don't know. There we go. Who knows?
1: Yeah. So no, it it was cool, you know, my first day on the job to walk into the office and they hand me a box and say, you need to keep these under lock and key. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, yeah so that's kind of cool. It was cool. a little bit pressure. Sitting on a secret. Yeah. I was sitting <laughs> on that secret for a while.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and you were, you even talked about it like right away at the beginning of the interview too, just the idea of you're going to use these week one, but then you got to go back to kind of the the current yeah. look and everything. Yeah. So the turnaround in that on a short week as well, I mean, that's going to be a lot of decals and, and, and face masks and everything else you got to get ready.
1: Yeah. And, the, you know, the great thing is, like I said, these guys, they, we've already discussed a plan on how we're going to get that turned around, what we're going to do. Um, you know, after the third preseason game, we got to switch it to the classic helmet look. And um, we have a great partnership with Nike. Uh, it was funny because, you know, I knew that we were going to wear in week one, but nobody else could know it yet. Sure. Uh, like
0: even on your staff?
1: I, I did kind of mention it to okay. them. Okay. I, was, I mean, no, secret. I mean, yeah, it's uh, they kept
0: secret.
1: Uh, uh-huh. The Nike guy reached out to me and he's like, Hey, Mike, have y'all decided when y'all gonna wear those classic jerseys? And I asked him, I said, Dustin, are you sitting down? <laughs> and he was like, No, I said, I think I need you to sit down.
0: <laughs> and he was like,
1: When? I said, Week one. And then he just started breathing heavy.
0: He's <laughs> like, I gotta get those like, out. But
1: I was told we was gonna wear them later in the year. I said, Yeah. There's a lot of factors on why this is happening, and we gotta make it happen. So, I told him, I said, take a week. Let's think. You get in touch with the factories. I'll come up with a plan here and we'll execute it. So now the pressure is on because we announced it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We announced it and they're for sale. So the production of them is is happening. Um, You mentioned a little bit earlier. I think actually I think before we got on the podcast because packing makes me think of like taking trips. And I'm like, you're probably like an expert packer because you also love to travel.
1: Oh, I love to travel.
0: And uh, so I wanted to ask you, like, what's your favorite trip you've taken?
1: So over the last two years, as a matter of fact, it was about a year ago, I took a trip to Croatia. And I was it was funny. I was in Croatia. I was on a yacht for 10 days and I ended up staying in Croatia for 14 days. But I was only supposed to be there 10 days. But my buddy was like, what do you got going on? At the time, I was on the (laughs) floor. I was like, nothing. He said, cancel your trip back home. And I did. And uh, we ended up staying in Croatia for two weeks and then we ended up going to Monaco afterwards. Amazing. So I was in Monaco and for my birthday, we ended up, uh, he ended up, we got a helicopter and we flew to San, Tra- San Trope. Oh yeah. my gosh, we that's had lunch. amazing. Yeah. So I did Brazil. I did Sao Paulo and Florianopolis in Brazil. And uh, I also did a mission trip back in 2019 to Israel and Jerusalem. I was there for three weeks. And uh, interesting enough that, the group that I'm an ambassador for headquarters is in Minneapolis. Oh, So back in 2019, I did some homeless ministries here in Minneapolis. And now that I think about it, looking back on it, uh, all the signs were pointing that I was going <laughs> to end up being here. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Uh, every time I hear Croatia, obviously it's so beautiful, but I also, I'm like, I would need to go on a game of Thrones
1: like <laughs> I actually went, tour. To that, yeah, yeah. I went to that area. Cause you
0: want to see what King's mm-hmm. landing, I think.
1: For sure, yeah. yeah. no I'm a loser, and like the bet. food there yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, oh, and bet. the people there are just great people. So,
0: well, you said you were you were unemployed. I know you joke about it now. Yeah. you were unemployed for those mm-hmm. two years after the Texans, and I saw when you tweeted out that you were coming here. I love what you said here. You said, uh, "For every stumble in my life, I've always upgraded." That's right. What what. You know, obviously you you didn't know if you were coming back here, but what yeah. was that time like and what did you learn about from that experience to now?
1: Yeah. So the greatest thing, you know, I'm a am I'm, I'm obviously a huge Christian. Um, I'm a big faith guy. And I always believe that when things happen to you, they happen for a reason. And at the time when I got let go, I was devastated because I've given 13 years of everything to an organization. And it's like, hey. We appreciate everything you've done, but we're going to go in a different direction. So it's like, okay. And I just said a prayer to God. I was like, you know what, Lord? I said, you know what you have in store for me? I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to go along for the ride. So for those two years, I got to spend a lot of time going home to Mississippi to visit my mom and was able to be with her for what at the time we didn't know was her final birthday. I, you know, was able to spend all the holidays with her and then. The last, and I might tear up here, last six days of her life I got to spend with her. So Amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens Fully for a reason. Fully believe in yep. that. And now you get to start this amazing the, chapter here.
1: The blessings are flowing right now. I, I really am. Uh, I tell all my compadres in the industry that I hit the jackpot. This is a great organization, great facilities, both practice and game. But the people in the building are what makes it what it is. Phenomenal people here. We're glad to have you, man. So, so awesome glad to have here.
0: you. It's a, it's, yeah. yeah, I think everyone is just really excited that you're here. And it's hard to replace Dennis, Dennis uh, but
1: let I, me think, tell I you. think
0: you're the guy to do it.
1: I hope, I, I, to, I told uh, Mark Wilt this that I cannot replace Dennis Ryan, so I'm not gonna try. All I can do is try to be the best version of myself. But Dennis is a, like I say, he's a titan in this industry, and I'm honored to uh, carry on what he's already started.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yep. We really appreciate it. I know you guys are so busy pl- preparing for training camp. Yeah.
1: And
0: That's what's crazy. It goes in 90 and getting ready for 90 guys and then we'll it will be here in, well, this week. Yep. They'll be here this week. So you've you got night. a lot on your plate. <laughs> so thank you for doing this.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having.
0: Me. Thanks again to our director of equipment services, Mike Parson, for being on the podcast because I know he's a very busy man right now. Yeah, planning for camp. I just think it's it's it must be so such a relief to him. I mean, as sad as it is to cut down on a roster and like mm-hmm. guys losing jobs, like that's not what I want, obviously. But when it goes down to fifty three, his life just gets a little bit more easy.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it's you, you lose 40% of your roster basically at that moment, but I think for all those guys like they have essentially their protocols and and as he said in the interview, the staff that he has is so good at what they do, they just kind of have a second hand to how this is going to get handled. So, for a guy like Mike who is as as he describes as diligent a planner as possible for all scenarios, I think, you know, they they look at it as once kind of the edict comes down on, on who's staying and who's going, they still know there's going to be fluctuation there with trying to pick up other players, et cetera. But a guy like Mike, it just feels like he's got his head on his shoulders and he's kind of trying to look not only, you know, two days ahead, he's looking two months ahead to figure out exactly how they're going to the function within not only training camp but then – start a preseason and and, uh, the regular season. Yeah. I mean, the
0: collaboration factor means a lot to him. And I know that's probably what really resonated when they were looking for Dennis Ryan's replacement. And honestly, like it's just been really awesome getting to know him. And I'm sure that we will, we will obviously miss Dennis, but Mike is a great, a great person to fill those shoes. So. It's crazy. I think only yeah. third
3: in team history.
0: Insane.
2: Yeah. So I saw the script. I was looking at the previous scripts when I got back, and yeah. I saw one of your questions: like, how do you replace Dennis Ryan? It's just like the third equipment or equipment manager in sure. team. Like that's yeah. That's like elite level. Yeah. That's like um like Kevin Warren being the Big Ten commissioner. There's like five in right. big like Big Ten history. Yeah. So like when you get to that level of of you know job competence, like you're, you're – I don't know if competence is
3: the word to use. He's you. Yeah, elite. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> elite would be a great word to use there. He's elite, so and I think that's part of the reason why Mike got the job too. Is I think his experience and everything he'd been through, college and pro, and then just kind of knowing his reputation. And it felt like you know if a guy like Dennis is one of the people that's kind of you know giving you the tip of the cap as far as you're going to be the guy taking over in this position. There's a lot of respect there, I think, both ways. And so I think given you know, who he is, what he's done, what his track record is, and just kind of the way that his demeanor is. It feels like they, they've got the right person here to help take over and succeed what's happened for the last almost 50 years.
0: 100%. Uh, he's got his hands full as we begin training camp today. The players reported yesterday. They hit the field today as we record this on Wednesday. Fans, you are welcome back for Back Together Weekend. Starting Saturday and uh, we're I know that there have been several plans and meetings and and things in motion for you guys and to create an exciting training camp experience for everyone. And so we look forward to seeing you guys uh, for the next month really here. Of course, don't forget there are two night practices, two joint practices, plus back together weekend this weekend. Uh, for um, for training camp, so you can go to vikings.com backslash training camp. We highly encourage you to get your tickets. Also on the website, there are a limited number of single game tickets for the 2023 season that are go on sale 10 a.m. Thursday, July 27th. So, whenever you're listening to this, they might already be on sale, or yep. they depending on when you personally listen to this. But as we record, they're going on sale in about a day, so that should be exciting. Single game tickets. And um, Gabe kind of alluded to this a second ago, but pads go on on Monday. Fans are allowed to be out there, but if you can't make it, you can watch the practice on TV. Woohoo! Fuck's mine, That's right. We're doing our live broadcast from practice on Monday, so be sure to stay tuned for those details. And uh, yeah, I think that... Oh, go ahead, Jay.
3: I was going to say, is one of the most popular things at camp is the autograph sessions, so make sure to... Yep, go to the site, check out the listing of days of when they're going to be there. It's a little different this year compared to previous years, so make sure you read up on kind of the protocol of how that's going to work. I know um, last year especially they had gone through and and made it more uh, kid-centric as far as who's got access, but even um, how you get access this year is a little bit different, so make sure to go to Vikings.com or the app and just read up before you come to camp just to figure out, you know, how best to navigate those waters and what days different groups are going to be available. And um, I just it's such a huge thing at camp. Kids love it. Adults love it when, you know, their kids get that chance to have that interaction. And um, so just make sure that you are informed as to how it's going to work this year.
0: I love that. Thanks for adding that in there. For sure. All right, Gabe, any last thoughts before we sign off today? Um, Welcome back.
2: I don't know how Justin (laughs) Herbert is ranked over Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence. No, I can't. Uh, That was, like, really on my mind all morning. Was the Justin (laughs) Herbert contract? No, not Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Fields. I'm sorry. Justin Fields. Oh, Justin Fields. Sorry, guys. The NFL Top 100 ranked Justin Fields as the 85th overall player. And he's, like, over DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I'm like, Dalvin Cook. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith. And... Eric Hendricks yeah he hasn't even (laughs) thrown for 2,500 passing yards but he's thrown
3: for 4,000 this year so you know that's the way it's gonna be yeah so but yeah
2: congrats to Justin Herbert though yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah.
0: setting setting continuing to set the ceiling to the quarterback I saw a list it was like um what quarterbacks in this league get paid yearly and Kirk's like not even in the top 10 anymore and that was like such a big deal when he had signed his contract in 2018
2: Well, he's the reason why these quarterbacks are getting paid. The
0: market is inflating, which only makes it so much more fun for this front office as we move forward.
3: For sure, man. Hope those TV deals continue to inflate. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. The TV deals, the web deals, everything else. I mean, that's the way it goes. It just... Everybody anticipates it keeps uh, growing every yes. year after year, and these contracts keep getting crazier and crazier. So
0: I don't see the c- the consuming getting any less, no. so I'm all for it. <laughs> I just also realized that you guys are matching today.
3: I figured this was going to happen. Oh, and by to, you guys
0: mean Eric, producer, our yeah. producer on the show, too. I went
3: to put the shirt on, and I said there's about a 60% yeah. chance Eric and I wear the same shirt today. So
0: 60% chance? Well,
3: we're in the same office, too. So, oh, cute. Yeah. Cute, cute. So you guys really did plan it. You guys that need to correct. take
0: like a stepbrother's photo At least together you the or memo. something. the
3: at least you got the memo.
0: Yeah, y'all texted each other for about sure. it. That's well, the first good. thing
3: I do. Wake up, think about Eric, text him. <laughs>
0: text him, yeah.
3: How's it going? Hopefully your morning's going good. Enjoy this your coffee. This is the shirt I'm wearing.
0: Podcast of <laughs> See you great.
3: <laughs>
2: See you soon.
0: All right, you guys. Next podcast, we will hopefully have another exciting guest for you as well as the latest from training camp. We appreciate you listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and we'll talk soon.